What's up, guys? The plunge is back after almost half a year of not doing anything. Um, just before we get into this pod, I'm editing this podcast right now, and I realize my mic does not sound good. And this is our first time recording in person, so just some technical difficulties that we had during this episode. So basically, my mic sounded really bad, so I'm just using the audio from Nate's mic, which picked up my voice pretty okay but it does not sound that good as it would on an actual microphone. So um, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but I think it sounds okay. Actually, it sounds more like Zach Lowe's podcast because he doesn't use a microphone. But yeah, enjoy the pod. Welcome to another episode of The Plunge. And it's been how long? Like almost... Half a year since we lasted our last episode. Um, so how are you doing, Nate? Uh, not too bad. I mean, I'm happy to be back. I am excited for this time of sports because we got NFL still ramping up, getting towards the uh, ending stretch of the regular season. And then, of course, NBA coming back. And, man, just so many early storylines from Dame shooting the, uh, the proverbial lights out um not exactly not exactly but we'll get down to that later let's just quickly go through some nfl stuff that um are popular headlines right now so first of all von miller gets traded to the la rams so he joins an elite defense of aaron donald and jalen ramsey so nate what do you think about this acquisition and how does this help the seven and one rams I mean, there's something to be said for a team that is just ready to get back to the promised land. And I think, you know, when they went last time, um, Jerry Goff leading the way, they just didn't have what it takes to uh, to take down the Patriots at that point. And, you know, now you look at this team and they're sick and tired of being a good team who makes the playoffs and goes out, especially when you have a defense that's that special. And so... They just add to an insanely talented defensive line, of course, with the greatest defensive player in the league at this point in Aaron Donald. I just think Von Miller brings, one, a great veteran presence to the team. He knows how to win. And then two, it's going to be so much harder to double on that line going against Aaron Donald and Von Miller because as soon as you double on that O-line, you're going to be in trouble with one of those two guys. And I love this team. I love what Stafford has been able to do there. He's built such a good connection with Cooper Cup and uh, not as great a connection with Robert Woods so far this year. But I think they're the best or second best team in the NFC at this point with maybe the Buccaneers going in first, but you know I don't have that much love for Tom Brady. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, I remember just watching Matt Stafford on the Lions a lot. Um, and it's just, it, it sucks that he was in that situation for so long and they couldn't even win a playoff game um, during his tenure there. So it's very nice to see him doing very well in the Rams and hopefully he can get pretty far into the playoffs. So um, moving on, Russell Wilson, he's coming back this week um, for the struggling Seahawks. And so is there any hope left for the Seahawks team when we're almost about halfway through the NFL season? 
you know, I think there's hope because right now you look at the state of the NFC and you need seven playoff teams. And at three and five, I think maybe they're one game back. Um, Vikings are okay, Saints are okay, but I think that the Seahawks are clearly a more talented team, although they're gonna lose their most important player and Geno Smith because this sucker Russell Wilson is coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Derrick Henry, he's out for the foreseeable future with a leg injury. And so how much does this hurt the Titans? Um, I think it hurts them an insane amount because he is really the only true old school running back left where he's taking five carries at least every drive. He's taking 30 a game. He was a fantasy monster all season, and he just carries that offense in ways that no other running back in the league currently can. And uh, it's gonna be a huge loss. I mean, I'm excited to see what Adrian Peterson has left in the tank, especially playing later in the season. He might keep a little more burst just because he doesn't have to do that 16, 17 game grind. But I'm excited to see what they can do. I think they'll make the playoffs and Derrick Henry, should be back according to his timetable in week 17 or week one of the playoffs. So if they can scrape by, it'll be okay. But big loss for the Titans in terms of the regular season success this year and probably seeding looking forward. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and now to the, the main part of this pod where we talk about just what's been happening in the NBA the first three weeks of the season. And so we can probably just go through the Eastern Conference and then to the West. So Nate, what do you want to talk about? Which team do you want to talk about? Any players specifically? Start us off here. Um, I mean, may as well just start off. I got the standings open here. May as well start off at the top with Miami. Um, not what I expected of this team because Kyle Lowry's old. Jimmy Butler's getting older. I do not like Tyler Hero, and I would like to talk as man of the year right now, though. yeah, I'd like to talk as much trash about him as I can usually, but I don't know. He's been showing me up so far. So, what is it about this Miami team that makes them so special early on in this regular season? Well, I think it's probably their defense that's been really good. Um, they're I think first in the Eastern Conference in terms of opposing uh, opponent points per game at one hundred point two points. So that's pretty good. And I think PJ Tucker really fits that that mold as well, as well with Kyle Lowry in terms of just the toughness of Miami. I think last year they kind of lost that that grit and that's that's how they got swept by the Bucks last year, right? And it was really embarrassing. And so I think even Kyle Lowry's not even putting up um, numbers as he used to with the Raptors, but I think he's still doing all the Kyle Lowry things, all the intangible things like taking charges, setting even setting screens on offense and doing all those things, I think. Um, that's what the Heat need. Um, and even just seeing P.J. Tucker work really well in the offense as well. He's And he's always been that guy who's been staying in the corner and just shooting corner threes. But I think watching the Heat, he's been actually involved in a lot of ball screens, handoffs for Robinson and Hero to kind of come off of those screens. And so I think so far the chemistry has been really, really tight. And it's been a pleasant surprise for me. So, yeah. Yeah, I think like watching them right now, you can see... In the P.J. Tucker-less minutes, because I'm not going to go out and call P.J. Tucker an offensive creator. Uh, he's definitely not. But 
when you see their minutes without P.J. Tucker on the floor, you got Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, and Bam when they're running their small ball lineups. It's really crazy to me to see how this line can be so effective defensively and offensively considering Tyler Hero, for one, is a defensive liability, Duncan Robinson as well, but the leadership of Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry on the floor together with the versatility of Bam has made for a, a special lineup so far this year, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, and I think one question that you would kind of have about this team is just their depth going forward. Um, they, Of course, they have Tyler Hero as the sixth man. Um, even Dwayne Denman has been uh, playing good minutes for them at the center position, but past that, I, I don't really see any good solid role players they can play. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, especially going into this 82-game season that, and you have Lowry and Butler who are, pre- are getting pretty old. And so when you start to manage their minutes later into the season, who are you going to play and, and what does that look like in the standings? So we'll see what happens. Um, let's, let's go down to another team in the East. Um, let's talk about the Bulls. They've been 6-2. and two. Um, Clearly their ceiling has been really high coming into the season with um, acquiring DeMar DeRozan and then getting Vooch last year through a trade. And so you have this team of a lot of guys who need the ball. And surprisingly, like they've been really, really good with that. And, and even just Alex Caruso coming in as well, it adds a lot of athleticism. Um, but a huge loss, Patrick Williams has been out for the season with an injury. And so um, what is your, your look on this Bulls team in the future? I mean, my look, my outlook on them is probably, I don't know, I'm feeling top five team in the conference. Um, I hated the acquisition of DeMar DeRozan. I thought, one, they were giving up Thaddeus Young, who has not played much on the Spurs, but is starting to. And that was looking like a good fantasy pickup for oh, yeah. you the I, other I, day. I hey? on ESPN, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very solid. yeah, I mean... I thought last year he was super versatile for that team. He's a passing, a rebounding big man. And you gave up a lot for DeMar DeRozan, who I talk a lot of trash about too, because I thought he just took away last year from the young guys in San Antonio. And he he was efficient just because he was so ball dominant. But I, I can't believe... I'm saying it, but DeMar DeRozan looks like he fits within an actual good offense for once in his career because what he went three games, he went 30, 37, and 37 in a three-game stretch with Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and and Lonzo Ball still all being effective in those games. That was crazy for me to watch. Um, And I just think this Bulls team, like, you have so many isolation players who can get you a bucket at any time. And it is crazy that they can function within an offense together most of the time when they don't need to grind out a bucket. And I think they are going to be so tough in this regular season because you watch teams struggle when they have a very cohesive offense. But as soon as the game slows down, like, a playoff atmosphere they don't have a guy who can get you a bucket where you know DeMar DeRozan you can post up Vooch you can get Zach Levine the ball he's I mean he's a great three-point shooter I just think they're so diverse and and their defense hasn't been terrible 
I, I mean, it's crazy to me to watch, but maybe Lonzo is just the key to running a cohesive offense, even with so many guys who over their career have demanded such a high usage rate. Yeah, these guys can also run in transition as well, especially when you have Lonzo um, being that facilitator and even Javante Green and Derek Jones Jr. who's getting minutes because of Williams. Um, they've been pretty effective in their minutes. And DeMar Wilson's actually been taking 2.3 three-pointers a game, which is up from last year at 1.2. And a couple years before, he was only averaging 0.53s attempted per game. And so even just that, that small kind of uptick in, in that, and he's shooting 38.9% from three, which is not bad, actually. Um, even just him having that instinct of shooting the three ball um, is really good for their offense. And so, yeah, props to the Bulls. So, Nate, take us to the next team you want to talk about. The next team I want to talk about, uh, I would love to talk about the Wizards, but I think no one cares. So we're going to move on to a team that maybe no one cares about, but is young enough that they could still actually become a championship contender with their core right now. Let's go and hit up the Cavs with um, with Evan Mobley, maybe looking like a future all-star. I've heard some... Uh, some pseudo KG comparisons so far this year, just in defensive positioning, how he makes a team with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, two of the worst guard defenders in the league, actually a decent defensive team. And man, they've been running some big lineups like Markinen, uh, Jerry Allen, and Mobley all on the floor at the same time, kind of going against the grain of what we see now. But why have they been so effective this year? I, I don't know. I've been, I've been watching too much of Cavs, but I think Jared Allen has been having a really good season so far. Um, he wasn't really known as a really big post-up guy, but I think from the times that I've seen him play, he's, he's been asking the ball a lot in the post, and I think that's been really effective for them. Um, and Evan Mobley has been looking solid this year. Like He still has that kind of rookie rawness to him where he's, he's still kind of making the wrong decisions at times on the ball. Um, but I think, of course, he's a rookie, right? And I don't know. Yeah, this, this team looks okay. It, it's just more of um, how they're going to gel. I think Rubio is a good backup point guard for them. Um, he facilitates the ball a lot for them. Um, Okoro is also a really interesting guy, very athletic. So they have, they have these, like, a lot of different types of players where you have seven-footers, you have European playmakers, and then, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And you have long athletic defenders. Um, but it, it'll take a while for them to actually gel this season um, in, in coming seasons moving forward. Um, and you got to get rid of Kevin Love's giant salary too. So that's, <laughs> that's a big thing to kind of look out for. Um, and then, yeah, you want to say something? I don't know. I think, uh, you know, like Kevin's, Kevin Love's salary is disgusting. And he gave up on that team. Like last year, do you remember him like tossing the ball in, like <laughs> slapping it in? But he's been okay this year. I mean, when you're winning, things are different. And I think the Cavaliers, they started off last year okay, like with that whole drumming, kind of putting up 20-20 all the time. And then they want you to get rid of them, get rid of him. And people are kind of like, oh, but you're winning. Um, but it just didn't feel real last year. This year feels real. I think Garland is legit. I think Colin Sexton is kind of still a liability. Um, he had a good year last year, but yeah. he's just been weird so far this year. But I think they have enough talent around this team where 
they can finally move on from the nightmare of being left in LeBron's shadow for the past however many years it's been since he's been there. What, 2016, 2017? Yeah. yeah. So four years, three, three or four years yeah. since he left. But sure. I don't know. I see this team, like, they're on the ups. I think they will be a playing team at least this year. So that's more than I could say for them going into this season. Yeah, um, it's, it, it is a really deep Eastern Conference this year. Um, and I guess one more team we can touch upon before we move on to the West is that, and, and I think this team is really fun to watch and it's, they have really high upside, um, but their defense has not been that good. But, and even just the emergence of a guy who's probably going to be most improved player this year is the Charlotte Hornets. Um, they've been playing up and down so far this season, but when you've seen them win, like they've been really crushing it with LaMelo Ball and, and Miles Bridges as kind of, he's this new player now. He's averaging I think over 20 something points a game and he's been kind of carrying that offense and, and he's, he's always been relegated to that kind of role player position, the guy who catches lobs from ball. But I think he's been um, demanding the ball a lot uh, this year for the Hornets. And so Nate, what, what is your outlook on this Hornets team? Well, I think this Hornets team has as high a ceiling as anyone but three of the teams in the Eastern Conference. Like, I would say Miami, uh, Brooklyn, and obviously the Bucks are the top three if everything goes correctly, if everyone stays healthy. I don't think anyone else has that ceiling. But I think Charlotte is kind of that, like, with the Bulls, um maybe like the Hawks um and I don't even know about Boston I want to touch on Boston for a second after this but um LaMelo Ball is like generationally talented like watching his games he had a hyped up matchup the other night with Steph Curry and he didn't he didn't actually end up performing super well but just his feel for the game I have never seen anyone that tall at the point guard position have such a good feel for the game and I don't know I think there's some discipline issues there like he's he's not always going to be the most disciplined player and play within the offense when you need to but his ceiling is so high like his ability to get triple meaningful triple doubles not Russell Westbrook triple doubles yes meaningful triple doubles is is unbelievable and you know like Bridges you have so many role players on that team who are who are good I mean role players in the sense that they are not going to be the star of that team but like you have Gordon Hayward who's been good this year Terry Rozier who has been okay this year suffered injury to start the season yeah Yeah, ankle injury and then bridges looking good pj washington i mean it's just a deep roster and i think they have yeah top top four upside but also bottom five downside if things go awry for that squad yeah and they don't really have any size inside like mason plumley's just starting center right but P.J. Washington hasn't been that bad either, but he's more of a small ball five. Yeah. And I think Gordon Hayward has been that. I think Gordon Hayward is still good. Um, of course, he's lost a lot of his athleticism from his injuries. But like when you when you look at Boston, right? Like they once they lost Hayward, I think that's a huge piece that they lost in terms of what they could do offensively. 
um, and how good of a Swiss Army knife Haywood has been. Um, and so moving on from that, you want to talk about the Celtics a little bit. They've been up and down so far. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've been on the up so far, actually, the past couple of games. So want to talk about them? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Atlanta too, but I think Atlanta is just that team who's going to figure it out. Like, yeah. they have too many guys, kind of, in their rotation, but they're going to figure it out because they're so talented. But Boston is the team where I watch them play and, like, how can you have two top 20 players in the league and just suck some nights? Like, you just have an inability to score the basketball some nights. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I mean, it may sound harsh, but I was kind of harping on this last year when I was saying the two can't really play together because they are very redundant. Um, I think the team's locked in that Jason Tatum is going to be their best player since three years ago after they traded Kyrie. And Jalen Brown doesn't really have the room to be their best player, although I think he might be sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and I think there is some resentment in that for from Jalen Brown to Jason Tatum because... Jalen Brown probably, and rightly so sometimes, thinks he's better than Jason Tatum, and he doesn't get the same treatment. Um, I mean, Smart called them out the other day for not passing the ball, and I think a lot of that selfishness stems from their competing egos on who is really the best player on the team and trying to prove themselves. And if they don't have anything change up there, I think they're in trouble in terms of they're not going to be a top six seed in a loaded Eastern Conference this year. I mean, they've they've even been getting contributions from guys they signed. Like Dennis Schroeder, yeah. been pretty good this year. Um, and then, of course... Yeah, Neesmith as well. Yeah, Neesmith. Uh, he hasn't played a ton so no, far this but, year. Yeah. Horford. Horford yeah. has been... Oh, my goodness. Like... <laughs> Whenever I'm playing against him in fantasy, I swear he gets three steals and three blocks every single game, and yeah. he's putting up efficient points, getting boards back to old Horford, but they still can't get it going, even with good contributions from guys they brought in this offseason. For sure. Um, and I, I think looking at their past two games, they, they, beat, they won the Magic after Marcus Smart called them up, and then they blow out the Heat by almost 20 points, but... I think you have to look deeper into the box score here. Jason Tatum, 3 for 13 with 10 points in that game. Jalen Brown was 17, 5 for 14. Total assists, though, 16 assists. And that's like barely any assists for an average game for an NBA team. And I think Celtics sat almost last last year um, in terms of team assists per game. And so I think, and, and you look at the Heat box score, Duncan Robinson, 5 for 17 from 3, right? And... It was just an off night for the Heat. I honestly think that um, it was a fluke for the Celtics to win yesterday. I didn't watch the game, so um, what can I say? But I'm just looking into the box score here saying I think the, the bigger problems are still there in terms of how they're going to move the ball. Um, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown taking 20 shots per game each, that's still going to really hurt your team if they're not really feeling it that night. Um, and just because you have so many good players who can shoot the ball, or you have good, so many good role players as well. You have Hort for like you mentioned. Smart can sometimes create his own shot. Um, Schroeder can get to the basket. And you have Neesmith, who's a really great shooter. Um, and so you have, you have a lot of good role players. And 
I don't think Tatum and Brown really trust these guys enough. Um, and yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to them? So let's move on to the West. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before, before we move on, I just, I'm curious to ask you, give me one player from the Eastern Conference who's exceeded your expectations and you think it's sustainable and one player who it has not exceeded your expectations, who's been terrible, and you think that it might be just a turn in their career for the worse? I think I'm going to go... Uh, I I think since I've been watching Raptors, I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes here. He's been playing really, really well for the Raptors. And everyone's been saying, and, and me and Nate admit as well, we're like, why did they pick Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs in the draft? And I like even I yep. watched his first preseason game it was and he has some really he has really good court vision for for a guy like him. And I think because of the opportunity that he has right now, without Siakam especially, he's been really thriving in that role where he's actually he's not he's not so jittery. He's not like predetermining his moves like any rookie would. He always reads the floor and he makes all the right passes, makes all the right decisions, and obviously he's this really raw athletic guy. And so, like, there was that highlight where he got, where he ran 94 feet in three dribbles and just dunked on, I think it was the Magic or, or something, but... Yeah, I think uh, it was the Magic. Yeah, but he's, he's been my surprise player for me. So, what about you? Um, I was actually going to go with him as well, yeah. just because I thought so low of him coming out compared to Jalen Suggs. Um, although, I had my questions about Suggs, too, after... That uh, that championship game performance against <laughs> Davion Mitchell, but yeah. okay. Well, if I have to pick a different player, you know, I'd love to say Mo Bamba, but Mo Bamba. he hasn't quite sustained <laughs> what he did at the start of the year. Um, Dinwiddie, I think yeah. Dinwiddie. You know, I'm not surprised that he's good, but I'm surprised with how consistently he's affected the games for the Wizards. I mean, he. When he was starting in Brooklyn with Kyrie out that one year, he averaged 21-6. But he was kind of like a selfish 21-6. Like, he had the ball a lot. And no one else was great there. Like, TLC or Garrett Temple were your, were your go-to options. Uh, and I love her. But um, I think, you know, just the way you can see him get Montrez involved, which he did nothing last year. And he's been great this year. Kuzma's been all right. Uh, KCP's been good offensively and defensively. Beal's starting to pick it up again. But Dinwiddie's just been solid in giving them what they need so far this year. Like, whether that be scoring 35, he's done it. Whether that be 12 assists, he's done it. Whether that be playing good defense on the opposing team's best guard, he's had to do that a lot because Beal isn't a good defender. And I think he does really have a big effect on winning for the Wizards. And I hate to say it, but he might be better than Russell Westbrook for the Wizards this year. Oh, yeah. Well, look, look at their record right now, right? Um, they're 6-3, and three, and you have a bunch of these role players who are, I think, all above average role players in their position right now on, on the Wizards. Um, and so, wait, is, it, is this, like, is this the... the the disappointing player for both conferences or just the Eastern Conference? No, nah, give me the Eastern Conference. Don't give me Damian Lillard yet, man. <laughs> um, yeah, my boy. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with James Harden just because of on-the-court stuff, just the rule changes on the fouls. Like he, There was that highlight yesterday where he was driving to the hoop and he hooked 
the defender's arm. And the refs not only did not call that a defensive foul, but they also called it an offensive foul against Harden. And I think that's the rule change that all of us want to see. And clearly Harden has not um, adjusted to that change yet. And that really has affected his play. Um, he's still a really good playmaker for the, for the Nets. But I don't think he's getting to the line that often. Um, like looking at his uh, times to the free throw the past few games, four times, four times, one time, three times, three times. Yeah, one game where he went to the free throw line 19 times. But other than that, it's been like less than four. So um, that's, I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll adjust. But it's just, it's just a really testament to the rule changes really um, harming James Harden right now. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I also think that James Harden is going to struggle some throughout this season. Although I don't think he'll have as big a drop off as he has had to start this season. Um, but when I look at a disappointing player right now, this one feels kind of weird um, to me, but it's just a player who's kind of stuck in my mind. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovic, has, he's just been, I mean, he's relegated himself kind of to a smaller role in the Hawks offense. And Trey Young's had, he's had a bit of trouble with that foul change rule too, because watching the playoffs, man, he tries to get every tic-tac foul call. Our boy Steve Nash last year with that call out of that's not real basketball. But um, I always thought Bogdanovich was a really, really good second playmaking option on that starting lineup to pair with Trey Young. But he hasn't been hitting his shots this year. He hasn't really been affecting the game outside of that because he is just kind of one of those playmaking players. Like, he brings it on offense, and you know he's a defensive liability, but usually it doesn't matter. And um, and I don't know. I've just been disappointed with him so far this year. After, in the first round, he was so good last year, injured a bit, but I just thought being healthy and being with that roster for a while, he'd start to peak. Also, one last thing. For my most improved player or my most surprising player, I didn't think about this before. I'm not changing my answer, but I think Cole Anthony at least deserves oh, yeah, a shout right. out. He deserves yeah. a shout out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Suggs was coming in and it was kind of a given that it would be Jalen Suggs' job and Cole Anthony would be head to the bench at some point, whether that be when Markel Fultz comes back or just later in the season when they have a younger guy or a young guy start to do a little bit more. But man, Cole Anthony is not letting up on that starting role. And yeah. I think it's it's funny because I thought that was a natural walk-in for Jalen Suggs. And now with the pressure of starting poorly and Cole Anthony balling out, is that starting point guard job still his? Yeah, I honestly think Cole Anthony has more of... I think just because he's been playing last year as well, um, it's only been three weeks into the season, but I think him being aggressive this season over Jalen Suggs so far has been really um, has been has been highlighted more for sure in that team um, let's move on to the west um, do you want to start us off with the team or do you like is there a team that you want to talk about first oh there is definitely a team I want to talk about first I this is the first time I usually I'll, I'll keep this short, but me and my dad usually have arguments about every single team we like. He hates the Jazz. I 
dislike the Nuggets sometimes, although I think they're a good team. Um, he hates the Lakers when I used to like them. Um, and, you know, we go back and forth all the time. But one team neither of us can hate is the Golden State Warriors because, oh my goodness. Did, if you watched last night's game, that was the most fun I've had watching basketball in well over a year just because Gary Payton the second man oh my goodness yeah yeah <laughs> the mitten man I don't know I think they when they did that top 75 list they meant to put the two next to Gary Payton's oh, yeah. name because uh that's how it's been looking lately I mean just the passing like Andre Gudala 11 assists last night like they are so fun they are back to being the warriors of old with cut 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 and yeah. defenses just give up because they don't want to run around 15 screens anymore draymond green has gone from nba villain four years ago to nba's favorite player at this point in his career just with how he is with rookies um how he is joking around with refs i mean he still complains but he jokes around he has fun out there he he talks to guys like John Morant after the game when they, you know, they have these long battles in OT and everything about this team, right? Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole. you said that Tyler Heroes, sixth man of the year. I think that if Clay comes back in decent time and Poole spends most of the season coming as a sixth man, then he's in the running for it too. Because what do you have, like 31 last night? Yeah. Um, that team has just been so fun this year. And do you see this, like, are they the number one team in the West in a legitimate way? Or is this kind of a regular season mirage? I I, I think they're legit just because of the way they can move the ball. Um, I think one concerning thing is that just because they they move so much and they pass so much, they, they, do, they can cough a lot of turnovers up. Um, and that's that could be one concern if you play against good teams. Um, and even just looking at their schedule that they've been playing so far, it's been fairly decent teams, but they haven't been playing the best teams yet. Uh, but I honestly think they're they're still legit for sure. And once Clay comes back and healthy, like they'll they'll be a pretty big threat um, coming into the the postseason. And just the way that their offense moves is just all five guys are moving, and even like people always talk about Steph Curry kind of coming off screens and and coming to the basket and doing all his isos. I think one big thing that people don't talk about is that Steph Curry actually sets screens himself. And that's the way that gets him open as well on backdoor cuts. Or like they like literally him and Jordan Poole just run around this like a circle, like a mini circle, and then just push each other one direction. One goes to the hoop, one goes to the perimeter and, and either one of them's open. And even just Draymond Green, like we've seen it all like forever where the way his he passes um the way his assists go, I think, like every time they slow, they show the slow motion replay of his passes. It's, it's so precise, and it he always reads the heads of the defender and where they're looking, and that's how he gets those really tiny passes through those small holes. And so, yeah, they're, they're been a really fun team to watch, and I think they're really big contenders this year. I have one unpopular opinion slash question. Do you think they will improve their record once Clay Thompson comes back for regular season? I don't think so. Well, 
You mean like get better on their record or like? Yeah, like season? regular season, you think they'll be a better team with Clay Thompson there this year or no? I I honestly think they might have to give up some games at times to get Clay going. Yeah. Um, and just because he's such an important part to the team, he needs his reps as as much as possible and as fast as possible before the postseason. So I think you're gonna have to give up some games where he takes about fifteen to seventeen shots. And going, you got you got to live with those two for nine or two for ten from three games. Um, that's gonna hurt you right now, but I think in the long run, once he gets once he gets hot, then they'll be okay for sure. Yeah, I think that was kind of the route I was going with it too, yeah. just because, like we've been talking about, Jordan Poole in starting in a starting role right now has been so good that obviously Clay raises the ceiling of this team immensely. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on a bit of a skid in the second half of the season once he comes back. Yeah, for sure. Okay, take us to our next team here. All right. Um, all right, let's just get this over with. Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> my favorite team. And honestly, like, I love the coaching changing Chauncey Billups. I think he really changes the culture of that team. The problem is, is that they've been playing the same way for eight years under Terry Stotts. And the lack of discipline they have on defense and the lack of effort they had on defense the past eight years has really hurt them. And they have really, and the habits that they've ingrained like the past eight years have been so, it's so hard to get rid of, especially early this season. Um, and you, you do see flashes of, of the team doing well defensively in terms of hustling and all that, and all those things. Um, but I still think they, on defense, they still predetermine everything. Like um, one change that they've been doing um, most prominently is doubling the ball handler off pick and rolls. And I think, and as opposed to Terry Stotts where they drop the big man, which will give up a lot of threes. Um, the problem is when they double the ball handler, it leaves a lot of space down low under the hoop. And the way that their roster is constructed, they have a three guard lineup almost every minute of the, of the game. So when, so when they, when the point guard slips the ball into the post to the open, open big man, he's either facing Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum under the hoop. And it's an easy bucket. Um, and so I think that's a huge thing right now for the Blazers. I still think they can figure it out. It just takes time. And, and of course, honestly, as a Blazers fan, if Dame was Dame, they'd probably win three or four more games than they have right now. So, Yeah, I think um, when I look at this team, the one thing that always sticks out to me, like they add good defensive pieces almost every year. Like if we're talking Covington, um, and then this year, Larry Nance, who's been a good defender at times. Cody Zeller um, has been really good, too. Yeah, Cody nice. Zeller. Yeah. The thing that I will always have trouble with, okay, when you look at the top teams in the West throughout the years, with respect to Denver being the only team who I haven't seen it from, but every team has a defender, a very impact defender who reads the game well and is a very important player to every team like Warriors Draymond Utah we can talk all you want about how they got torched in the playoffs and they did but Gobert is still a smart and impact defender who's a leader on that team um Dallas has not been up there every year because they don't have an impact player defensively Phoenix Chris Paul LA LeBron and AD at times um, and then the Clippers of course Kawhi and Paul George but you can't add pieces who are good defensive role players to improve a defense you have to actually add a defensive anchor and I think that is what's hurt them over the years because they've made 
good additions to fill out a roster that should be competitive defensively. But when you don't have that heart and soul guy who starts locking down, it is so hard to change from that. And I think this year, man, like Anthony Simons, Anthony Simons. Yeah, just he is a player who I thought like the ceiling was so high for him. And wait, I'm going to instead of breaking down the Blazers because you can do way more than that and put me to shame. I'm going to ask you a question. If the package was, say, a player like Ben Simmons, we'll just take him as the example. So if it was Ben Simmons for CJ versus Ben Simmons and two first round picks for Dame, which one are you taking right now? You, you got to go Ben Simmons for CJ one for one. Like, you, there's no way. Well, even like the reality of it, Dame has repeatedly said and emphasized that he's staying in Portland. Um, and just because of seeing how Giannis won his championship by himself with the Bucks, that really kind of inspired Dame this season to stay. Um, I honestly think it, it's just the way that their team is made up. They have so many good guards. They have Lillard, McCollum, Norman Powell, and Anthony Simons, who can all score on all three levels. They're, they're elite offensive scorers. And it's just so unfortunate because the roster on their team is all good guards. But... And, and, and they all can play on the floor to close the game. And, and that's what Chauncey did a couple of games ago where they played four guards at the same time on the floor with Larry Nance or Yusuf Nurkic at the five. And obviously that didn't work. And so I think you honestly you really have to give up a guard in the, at this point. But that's the problem with the Blazers right now where they can't get... There's no way they're going to get rid of CJ. Um, that, like, the organization loves him too much. But from a basketball standpoint, a CJ Ben Simmons one-for-one swap would be a benefit for both teams for sure. Yeah, I mean, my question is just more based on, like, I feel like CJ McCollum in a non-Dame offense is still a 1B type of player offensively. Um, I think he he has a really good package in terms of, like, mid-range game, probably better than Dame. Oh, way better, um, way better than Dame. Handles might be better than Dame as well. Um, I mean, Damian Lillard from three... Uh, not this year, but from three, obviously, the second most lethal shooter in the league to Curry for the past, what, five years? Five, six years, yeah. Um, but part of me feels like there is a difference between being clutch and being a winner. Um, and as the years have gone by, I have that question in my head of is Dame clutch or is he clutch and a winner? Or will he ever be a winner? Yeah, that's that's very true. That's a good point you brought up. Because um, obviously, you don't want to put Dame on the... like. You don't want to give the ball in Dame's hands every single playoff game where you have to depend on him to make the game-winning shot. right? And that's not really a winning mentality of a team. right? The winning, the winning mentality of a team is to avoid those situations where you score way more points than the other team um, and not get into those situations, right? And I think that's the thing that the Blazers kind of struggle with in terms of just putting together a good game from end to end. That's been really a struggle the past few years. Like, you look at the 2019 Western Conference Finals. They're up by double digits at halftime against the Warriors, I think, almost every every game. And they, and they got swept, right? And so the way that... Um, and, and this could be soft to coaching. You never know. Like, you... Because... 
everyone knows how hot their offense is. And if they can really sustain that through an entire game with the effort of their defense, it can really make a difference. And I think one more thing when it comes to having that defensive anchor, not just um, basketball-wise, but like IQ-wise, I think Yusuf Nurkic was seen to be that guy, that Draymond Green guy. Um, and he's even kind of voiced that himself where he's like, yo, I'm the anchor of this defense. But obviously, it's not showing. I honestly think it's almost time to give up on Nurk here. Um, like, it, it's really unfortunate just because he's such a special guy and he's got some really good hands. Um, but, man, the guy can barely play over 25 minutes in the game. And his finishing has been frustratingly so bad. Just because he's so tired, he can't really um, finish properly. He's always putting up these really bad floaters and he can't really dunk because he's so tired. And defensively, like, he's been average defensively, but as a, as a defensive anchor, you got to be above average in that sense. And he's a seven-footer and he's really heavy. He can't move that well. And I think, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, I think Cleveland has finally solved that dilemma that the Blazers have of... They brought in Evan Mobley, who just looks so special defensively and is vocal enough. I mean, when you're a rookie, you can't be overly vocal. But he has shown that the problem there is solvable, but it does take a generational player defensively, yeah, right? Sure. And, I mean, we'll see what happens to Mobley in the future. But, okay, well, we'll move on. Um, I guess I'll give you a toss-up here. We're going to discuss one more team. I don't want to touch on the Lakers tonight. No. I think the Lakers are just, they are what they are. Um, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple options here. So, Minnesota. Um, the travesty that is the New Orleans Pelicans. Or the Memphis Grizzlies. Dang. Interesting. I can quickly go through a couple of them. Um, Pelicans, it's a, it's a, it's a dumpster fire there. Zion Williamson's over three hundred pounds. There's no way, like their season's done for sure. It's a wash. Wait, let's play the game quickly. Do you trade Zion for this player? Okay, I'll give you a start. Who says no to Donovan Mitchell for Zion? But you're just putting Donovan Mitchell on just a a horrible team. No, 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 but. I say, I'll give you two players. Which team says no faster? So we got we have Zion and Donovan Mitchell. So you saying you taking Utah as saying no to that faster, or would they consider it? Oh no, they would say no for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll move on to our next player. Okay. Um, Jason Tatum for Zion. I think they probably not actually. They're the, he's their franchise player. Okay. They, they would consider it, but honestly, like, no, Tatum's their best player. Okay, so we'll go same draft. I mean, this one seems pretty clear to me right now, but John Morant for Zion? No. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you one that is, like, pretty fair, in my opinion. Um, We'll go with De'Aaron Fox and Zion. I, I think the Kings would be the, the team that would consider it the most out of all your options there. Yeah. Um, just because you have a good guard rotation in Sacramento with Davion Mitchell, Buddy Heald, and Tyrese Halliburton, I think one of those guys are expendable. Um, yeah. But when it comes to going to the Pelicans, I don't think anyone wants to go to the Pelicans. So. Okay, I'll give you one last one. Um, 
either your choice of Anthony Edwards or Cat for Zion. Hmm. That's a good one, actually. I, I honestly think Cat has to be on a better team, and the Pelicans are clearly not the better team. But, like, if I was, like, even just going into talking about Minnesota, too, like, Cat's a really versatile guy, and he has to be on a better team. He's got to go, or they have to improve what they're doing right now. And so, even, like, Edwards, you can probably build around as well. Mm-hmm. But the thought of having Zion and, and Cat on the floor at the same time, that, it, it could be interesting. It could be interesting, but not conventional for sure. Am I wrong that I made this claim earlier on in this season, um, just with my brother, but I don't know, man. I think Minnesota might be a play-in team this year. Um, Anthony Edwards is... He just feels like a winner. I know what they've had their games here. Let me pull this up quickly. Um, this started the season three and one. They have a win against the Bucks. They lost to the Nuggets by two. The Magic. That's a pretty pitiful loss. And like a couple losses to the Clippers. Who I don't know. I mean, Paul George been out of his mind this year. But I feel like Anthony Edwards has the chance to turn a bad franchise into a winner just because like irrational confidence is crazy um but he's just a talent man he confidence seems to be ruling this league right now if you look at Lamelo and uh and anthony edwards and guys who just want to play <laughs> play undisciplined sometimes yeah um but I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong, but the Timberwolves feel at least interesting to me this year. Who, who would you have as your franchise player though? If you're the Timberwolves, would it be Towns or, or Edwards here? I think that's tough because if you put Towns on, hmm, if you put Towns, if you put Towns on the Heat right now, if you put Towns on the Warriors right now. Oh, I think those are teams where it would just be like, is this the greatest player to ever play basketball sure. in Carl Anthony Towns? Because, you know, like when Jimmy was there, I think Jimmy didn't want to take that burden all on himself and Cat was young. But if Cat came into a situation where the expectation was so high, like Wiggins, right? Like Wiggins was not that dude back in the day. And he's still not perfect but he is very useful for the Warriors. And yeah. I think Cat could look like a top a top 10 player in the league if he was in the right situation. But Anthony Edwards could potentially be a top 10 player in the league without even considering the situation. Because I think he has that motor. For sure, yeah. So I would take... I would say I would take Edwards as... If you had a garbage franchise and brought in one player who who is going to make you win more, I think it's clear that Cat can't do that. Yeah. I think Edwards still could. Cat's more of that one B guy yeah. for for a good team. Um so let's yeah. quickly move on to just your disappointing player and your surprising player for the West this year so far. Um surprising player. Uh I mean Oof, I'm going to have to eat a lot of words from last year because he really pissed me <laughs> off. But I took him again this year in fantasy yeah. just because uh, if he went off this year, then I would just sulk for myself for this whole year. 
but John Morant, man, like, I actually, the combination of two guys who I thought could not shoot the three at all in SGA, who shied decently last year, um, but just has a weird form, and John Morant, who has the same form as Gilgis, pretty much, yeah. and I thought both of them just wouldn't be able to shoot come big moments, but John Morant has hit some big threes this year, and SGA obviously pulling up from the logo against the Lakers the other night, but enough about SGA. I don't want to talk about the Thunder because they're a pitiful franchise, but they have potential for the future. Um, But John Morant just taking it to like the teeth of defenses. And there's so many guys, so many slight point guards who have been affected this year by kind of like taking away not only taking away like the non-basketball movement fouls, but just kind of being tougher on calls in general. But John Morant, he doesn't go to the basket expecting a foul. He goes to the basket trying to finish. Um, I think there's such a difference in that mentality. And I just, I think that he has really made that jump to being an all-star point guard in the West, which is saying a lot because what we have, Chris Paul, um, obviously Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. Um, I mean, Mitchell's not necessarily a point guard, but De'Aaron Fox, uh, Luca, so many guys, but you're going to have a really tough time keeping John Morant out of the All-Star game this year. And I, I see this production as sustainable. For sure. Okay, my, my surprising player, we have to give love to this team either way, but... Josh Giddy has been pretty interesting to me. <laughs> honestly, like, we, sports media just never talk about the Thunder. And obviously, me and Nate love to talk about the Thunder just because they're so fun to watch, even though they're horrible. Um, Man, all the, go ahead. that was such a great game. Yeah. That was such a great game. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but just amidst all, like, the junk that they've been playing through, um, Josh Giddy does have a lot of promise. He's very raw but he does have really, really good hands for a rookie um, in terms of just um, his assists and his vision. I think he makes a lot of good decisions with the ball. He's been averaging six assists per game so far, and I think, um, honestly, I think he should really get more minutes right now. He's only averaging 29 and a half more minutes. Like, dude, like, if you're, like, you have to have Giddy as probably one of your cornerstones of your franchise at this point with Shea and, and Dort at this point. Um, and so I think, yeah, Josh Giddy has surprised me so far. He looks really good, so yeah. Wait, I think you left out one of their franchise cornerstones oh, there, man. <laughs> no, I I'm so glad they have Giddy, so I don't have to keep hoping that Poku will be the great <laughs> savior of the franchise because he's looked awful. But I love SGA. Like SGA, if if Philadelphia could do Ben Simmons for SGA right now, which they can't. Yeah. Wow, they would love that, man. Like, he's a player. He's a real... He's he's a dog, for sure. And I don't know. I'm just... I hope they don't waste his whole career because that would suck for a great Canadian player, too. I mean, let's hope we get that dream uh, Canadian national basketball uh, backcourt of Jamal Murray and Gilgis one day. I don't know. I I don't know if I saw this, but I think SGA said, like, he doesn't want to play. On the team. Oh, really? I have no idea, but... Let's hope that's not yeah. true, but yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Um, 
But my disappointing player of this year, I mean, I would say if we're talking about disappointing people in the league, uh, Zion. <laughs> but <laughs> if we want to talk about disappointing players in the league this far, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Um, because he was, I mean, he was elite last year in the second half like elite like 50 40 90 scoring 25 points a game kind of elite and he's just struggled like you know he was always going to come in as a second option this year but there have been guys like when will barton is looking like the second option instead of you that's that's not a good sign um i think he can figure it out i mean he's young but i think that he needs to figure it out sooner rather than later because if he wastes another year, it's just going to be that question of like, is he ever going to reach his peak or will that just have been like a three-month mirage of him being a great player, but it's not actually, it didn't actually hold anything true about what we'll see in his future. Honestly, like looking at the, the Nuggets this year, I, I honestly don't see the level of urgency they have this year compared to other years. And, of course, obviously that's been attributed to Jamal Murray's injury. Um, and even just looking at their numbers on and off the, or with Jokic on and off the floor, it's been just astronomically different when Jokic is either on the floor or off the floor. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, I think it's a wasted season for the Nuggets. Um, it really depends on how strong Murray comes back before the playoffs, if he comes before the playoffs. But yeah, it's it, it's a really weird time in, in Denver for sure for that team. Um, I think obviously my disappointing <laughs> player is Damian Lillard. Um, but as we speak though, right now against the Lakers, they're killing them by 17 points in the second quarter. Damian Lillard, four for seven from the field, two for four from three. Oh my goodness, this is a generational more, game for him. Two more threes than yesterday or yesterday's game <laughs> altogether. Mm. Ten points so far, but uh, like, and we were everyone's thinking like, okay, Dame always plays well against the Lakers, so we'll see. But um, I was reading a couple of articles earlier today about Lillard, and basically the premise was that he's still getting good looks. He's still getting the the Damian Lillard looks as he's been getting his whole career. It's just that he's not knocking them down. Um, another factor that people talk about is his abdomen injury, but he's been saying that he's been playing through that injury for a while, his like most of his career. Um, from my viewpoint, I honestly think um, people say that surgery will help, but it's it's the fact of coming back from that surgery that might be detrimental to him in the season. But if if the surgery is not that bad, he honestly should take it just because of how much guard depth they have in the Blazers. And so, yeah, it's... It's a sad time for, for the Blazers right now because they could honestly be winning much many more games right now if Lillard hit three or four threes a game, which is his, below his usual clip as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, before we end this, I have one more question. Just because we haven't done a pod in a while, give me one player fantasy-wise. We'll talk fantasy for a second. Give me one player who you think is at their bottom out right now who will increase their value maybe like look to trade for them then one guy who has such high value right now that it'll never peak higher than this i think um one guy that is not doing too well right now 
I think it's also because of injury will be Drew Holiday. Um, just because that, that's the first person that came to mind because he's on my team. Um, but I think people forget how, how good he was fantasy-wise last season because he had the ball a lot. And he is actually a decent playmaker as well. And obviously, he's a great defender, athletic defender. So he'll get you steals and blocks. Um, I, I guess the downside to him is that on his off nights, they're pretty bad where he would go like 1 for 16 from the field or something. Um, just because he's not that much of a polished offensive player. Um, but he still is, is an elite player in the league. So I think Drew Holiday would be someone who would um, be on the ups for sure once he gets fully back from his ankle injury. Um, I think one guy that has been at the peak of his fantasy value right now and even people have not expected is what we talked about, Miles Bridges. I think he's been getting a lot of touches in the ball. Um, he's an athletic guy as well, so he'll get blocks and steals for sure. Um, he... Time will tell if, if his out if his um, production will drop a little bit, just because it's been so early in the season. But so far, like he's been, he's been actually shooting the ball at a pretty good rate as well. He's not missing too many shots, um, and so because of that, I think he's a he's a smart guy for sure. So, what about you? Um, I would say my my underperforming player this year, um, it's probably I would say De'Aaron Fox. So far, just because Darren Fox was, he was so good last year. Like he, he was increasing his ability as a playmaker. Um, he was scoring at an efficient clip. He shot the three terribly this year. Um, he hasn't really been super effective as a playmaker, but I think you'll uh, you'll see him increase his value throughout this season. Um, just just as he kind of gets settled in that offense again, and they have some changes there. I mean, Halliburton increased role, a better guard rotation, <clears throat> but I see him as uh, as probably a guy who will be able to increase their value a lot. And then my overachiever so far this year, hmm, I think my overachiever so far this year is probably... Think about this one for a second. I, I'm between a couple of guys, but I think Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, I think they've been really good. And then Kyle Lowry to start this season was relegated more to like backseat leader. And he'll increase his role because he wasn't really super productive to start this this season. So I think Jimmy's numbers are a little bit inflated. He's never been a great, great scorer. Um, I think he contributes in a lot of ways, but I think you'll see him decrease in his value. Actually, Kyle Lowry had a triple-double tonight. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so I think he's starting to find his role there. Um, a couple other underachievers you could look at is like Kristaps. I, I don't know if he will ever achieve, but the ceiling is so high and so tantalizing that it's like, oh, uh, how could you not give a shot? Um I feel like Simmons isn't going to waste an entire year of not playing. Although it, <laughs> I don't know, the mental health professionals, like he won't <laughs> go and see them or something yeah. like that. And then one more overachiever, maybe you would look at, I don't know, DeMar DeRozan doesn't feel super sustainable to me scoring 36 a game right. with Vooch, Levine, Lonzo. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 
I think number one and number my number one underachiever, De'Aaron Fox, and then my overachiever is um, who did I say my overachiever was again? Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's something to look out for for your guys' fantasy season yeah. as it goes on. Well, that does it for this edition of the pod. We have no idea when the next episode is going to be, but it's always nice to be back and, and pump out one when we can. So. Yeah, finally, nice to be in person for one, yeah, too. For sure. Definitely more of a uh, an interaction. But yeah, yeah I, um, I mean, I hope you guys enjoy listening to this. If you have any things that you want us to talk about fantasy-wise, if you have any fantasy questions, sleepers, overachievers, buy low, sell high, we would love to deal with any of those because that's usually our game. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's it. Um, We'll see you next time in the next episode.